G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. There is a very simple but profound question that we're all asking that has a major impact on how we see the world. And the question is, how do I find myself? Some of the biggest issues of our generation involve our identity, like the challenges around sexuality or race or our family, our country, or even our very soul. And in an age where identity is everything, perhaps it has never been quite so important to know who we are. And for Christians, we contrast the idea of the self-made self with the Bible truth that we are not our own. Well, we're back today with a special guest who questions whether the advice to look inward is the best way to find a stable and satisfying sense of your identity. He sheds light on a better way. Our special guest through this coming hour, Dr. Brian Rosner, who's written more than a dozen books, and his latest one is called How to Find Yourself. The good thing about this, it's been shortlisted for this year's Australian Christian Book of the Year Awards. The winner's going to be announced on the 31st of August in Melbourne, and Brian Rosner is Principal of Ridley College in Melbourne. He's been our guest before on 2020, so an absolute privilege to welcome him back. Brian, welcome back to 2020. Uh, Thanks so much, Neil. It's my pleasure, and hi, everyone. Hey, Brian, let's start with um, personal identity questions, uh, finding and being yourself in a world today that is consumed with people who want to dress like others, uh, want to act like others, want to join some sort of uh, political cause. Uh, What are your thoughts here about personal identity? Yes, look, personal identity uh, has become such an important topic in almost every area of life. It's only really the last 30 or 40 years in Western culture that even the terms personal identity, identity formation, those kinds of things have become really popular. You, you can hear it when people offer advice. So if you see, hear a school captain or someone at uh, uh, a university uh, graduation, the kind of advice they would always give was be true to yourself. Uh, but these days it's gone even further. It, it's simply the advice, be yourself. Uh, The best example I can think of is Dylan Alcott, the uh, admirable Australian of the Year, uh, disabled tennis player. His advice was put very bluntly. He said, "Um, I've got one thing to tell you. It's the simplest thing in all the world that makes the world a difference. Be yourself. Well, be yourself might sound good, and it's probably great advice, and it's why that sort of advice is delivered, but there's a certain sense in which there seem to be a lot of people who are trying to be someone else or replicate someone else's identity. Is that something of the challenge here? Yeah, I think I think that's, it's an odd kind of uh, irony, isn't it? It's never been more important to, to know who you are, to be yourself, but in a sense, it's also never been harder. So I think uh, things like social media contribute to that. Uh, Social media is uh, the ideal platform for inventing and presenting yourself to the world. You know, you put up your profile picture and 
you tell your story on social media, and, uh, and, and the image you're projecting is, is who you think you are. But lots of studies have shown that social media actually works against having a stable and satisfying sense of self. So the, 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 the self that people are projecting on social media is, is often not accurate. It, it's sort of a, um, um, it, it's, it's just the best moments of our lives. It, it's not true to human experience. So I think it, it's an odd situation we're in where it's so important to know who you are and to tell the world and hope to be celebrated. And yet it's kind of more unstable and fragile than ever. What do you think's driving all of this, Brian? I mean, is it just the new technological age we're in, uh, the age of social media, the age where you can connect with people on the other side of the world and uh, you've got access to information unlimited, uh, new causes to be a part of, and you feel like you can just align with those because that seems to make you feel good? What do you think's driving all of this? Yes, I, I think there's uh, good grounds for the movement in, in some respects. It, 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 in many cases, it's a reaction against what people thought of as the kind of stultifying 1950s. You know, the 1950s are the bogeyman. Everyone thinks back then everything was uh, uh, conformist and uh, um, it, it wasn't organic, it wasn't real. People were... Um, uh, not true to themselves in those days. They just fitted the mould they were told to be in. And the 1960s set us free. And since then, I, I think there is some good things to the movement. So, for example, authenticity, being true to yourself, is obviously a good thing. Um, self-reflection is a good thing. Um, the, the examined life, uh, realising what your gifts and personality are like and, and acting accordingly. Uh, another big driver, and, and you kind of hinted at this, Neil, is the idea that there's lots wrong with our world and certain groups are marginalised. They don't receive the recognition they deserve. Different ethnicities or nationalities, uh, different sexualities, genders, all those kind of issues that are swirling around in our day. And those groups are wanting recognition in society. They want to, they, they want to be given appropriate dignity. And as a Christian, I, I applaud that. I think everyone's made in the image of God. And we need to uh, ensure that everyone is valued equally in our society. So on that side, I think that there is real, there's a real point to what, what's sometimes called expressive individualism, this idea to find out who you are and express yourself accordingly. Uh, this idea of, as you say, expressive individualism, uh, is this a little bit like joining a club, um, aligning with a movement, uh, the thoughts that we hear around identity politics. Uh, I identify with that because of my feelings about sexuality or my race, uh, political causes to align to. So this expressive individualism, it's got something really that's quite powerful. But the trouble with that perhaps comes around that some of those things are all about a victimhood and a reinforcement of victimhood. Any thoughts here around how that might shape your identity if you do align with those sorts of causes? Yeah, it's complicated, isn't it, Neil? So, I mean, my my father was an Austrian refugee, a, a Jewish man with his parents. They were persecuted in Europe. They fled to China, ended up in Australia. And when I grew up, racism was um, clearly something in our family history that uh, we abhorred. And... Uh, uh, seeking up for the oppressed and marginalised, the disadvantaged, is a very Christian thing to do. And it's part of what the Bible describes as righteousness. 
But I think what you think of that is also true. There's a danger with the so-called uh, social identity politics whereby you divide the world up into the victims, their loyal allies, sometimes called the woke. I don't like that term because it's part of the culture wars, which I don't want to be a part of. And then there's the oppressors. And it's, it's quite simplistic. You end up thinking the only problem in society is discrimination and prejudice, and the problem is the oppressors. If we can just educate them or cancel them, then the world will be a wonderful place. And unfortunately, it, it's not true to human nature. All of us are prone to evil behaviour in all sorts of ways. None of us are completely innocent. And uh, really, the, the, the big problem with the world is the individuals in the world. And uh, looking forward to a bright future is what we want. But forcing it politically on people, it's it just not going to work. It ends up creating more division and, and more strife. So it's, it's a sad thing, really. Identity politics has good motivations, but I think there are... There are problems with its foundation, and the story it tells is not an accurate one. We'll come back to some of these thoughts, Brian, and listeners might have their own thoughts or questions that they'd like to raise in a conversation like this. But let's talk through another dimension of identity, the thought that somehow or other you're going to find your true identity by looking inward. And that's a little bit contrasting uh, to the way that we think of our identity as Christian believers, finding an identity in Christ. But let's talk about uh, you know, looking inward to find your true identity. Yeah. This is something you've thought through fairly deeply. Yes. So I think uh, there's, there's basically three problems with only looking inward to find yourself. As we said earlier, it, it tends to produce a rather fragile self. Uh, people are unsure who they are at different points in their life, and it's quite a burden to have to reinvent yourself. Uh, the other problem, is, and this is um, it's just skipping to the really big one, the big problem is it's just not true to human nature. We're social beings, so we find ourselves by being known by people other than ourselves. And if you're married, you'll know this, your, your spouse, you find out things about yourself simply through that relationship. And all of us have that experience, I'm sure. And then we're also storytelling beings. So we find ourselves by locating our lives within a bigger story. None of us lives an exclusive story of our own. Uh, we all key into much bigger stories. And we can come back to that in a few minutes if you like. But the third dimension, which is more controversial, is that we're adoring beings. So we find ourselves by looking up I love the, uh, some years ago, you'll remember the, the millennial uh, uh, calendar changed over in the year 2000 and Sydney had its usual fireworks display. It was just magnificent, wasn't it? It's just such a beautiful thing on the harbour there. And uh, what they wrote on the harbour bridge was extraordinary. It, it was the word eternity. And it was in the handwriting of a guy named Arthur Stace. I don't know if uh, the hearers know this story, but there was a an illiterate alcoholic, uh, mid-20th century, became a Christian at Barney's Church in Broadway. Some of us uh, may know that church. And uh, um, he was converted to... Uh, uh, he came to Christ because a text was preached from Ecclesiastes, God has put eternity in our hearts. And then for the next several decades, he wrote it in chalk all over the footpaths in Sydney, the word eternity, and they put that on the Harbour Bridge in his handwriting. And what I find really intriguing, Neil, is this. No one complained because within the human heart, there really is 
this reaching out for something bigger and better than ourselves. And, and if, if we didn't look upwards as human beings, then maybe people should have said, rather than eternity, we should have put oblivion on the Harbour Bridge. But people have within them this sense that there's something more we want in terms of justice and beauty and truth. And I think that's the way we find ourselves, not only by looking inward, but by looking upward around to our relationships and, and back and forward to our stories. Is that a hint, Brian, that if you are someone right now who's just a little unsure, uh, you're feeling a bit confused about your identity, uh, maybe you've gone through what you're saying there, a lot of people who look inward are trying to reinvent themselves. Is this a hint that if eternity is in our hearts, that God has placed that eternity in our hearts in a way that we'll look and we'll try and find a right and good and true identity and ultimately we'll look to him. Is that something of a hint? Yeah, I think this is... Um, look, all Christians think that the big deal in life is to know God, yes, and, and to enjoy him forever and to love him. Uh, and that's the big driver in our life. But there's two sides to a relationship, isn't there? Not only do we know God as Christian believers, but we're known by him intimately and personally. And if I can talk personally just for a moment myself, my, my own interest in the topic of personal identity is not, not just an academic one. Uh, back in the 90s, mid-90s, I had a what you might call a crisis of identity myself. And it really rocked me to the core. And there was a sense in which I, I ended up coming back to that question, who am I really? And that question um, just destabilized me in, in, in really profound ways. As a Christian, I went back to the Bible and I found these verses and this strand of teaching, which I found enormously encouraging and reassuring, namely this idea that God knows me personally and intimately as his child. And my identity is hidden with Christ in God. It, it's secure in him. And uh, it, it was a great comfort to me in those days. There's a beautiful verse in Nahum 1 where, uh, where the prophet says, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. And since, since my own crisis and uh, finding more stability, I, I've spoken to dozens and dozens of people who've also experienced crises of identity, whether, whether minor or major, people who've lost their parents, their parents have died, they wonder who they are anymore, people with broken relationships, people who've retired, people who've had a, a crisis of identity in their midlife, something like that. And I think uh, it, it's so true that uh, our lives are fragile and these things do come along for most of us at one point or another. And Christians have this great resource in this relationship with God, which has two sides. And I think when we're in a crisis of some sort, we can lean to that other side and take comfort from the fact that God knows us intimately and personally as his child. A powerful resource that we have as Christian believers. And we're going to continue this conversation. You might like to join into the conversation. You might even have a question. You might have a comment. You might even have your own story facing an identity crisis. And when you looked inward, what did you find? Uh, looking outward or looking up, as Brian said, what did you find? So 1-800-316-316. Love to hear from you today to join in a conversation like this. 1-800-316-316. Dr. Brian Rosner is our guest. 
His book is called How to Find Yourself, Why Looking Inward is Not the Answer. Uh, Let's talk here, uh, Brian, just for a few moments. Reinventing yourself is what you were talking about. Is there a sense in which we're always going through a process of reinvention? And if there is this eternity in our hearts, we might be looking in all sorts of places. Um, When we find the one that we talk about as Christians, uh, looking up and uh, looking to find our identity in Christ, uh, those wonderful resources we have in God, is there a sense in which as we look we're going to come across him if we're if we're intentionally perhaps saying what is the answer as I'm as I'm looking inward trying to find my true self. Mm. Yes, a good question, and I think it's fair to say that our lives obviously do change over the course of our lives, and uh, uh, the, the key in my mind is to answer the question of personal identity: Who am I really? With the most fundamental answer. So if your answer is, I'm I'm a husband, I'm a wife, I'm a worker, I'm a father, um, I'm a golf player, or whatever it is, those things can change. And when they change, you're left with a gap, in a sense, wondering who you really are. So for the Christian, the basic, the kind of core answer to the question is this notion of being a child of God, being part of the family of God as a gift from God and being known intimately and personally by him. Now, that doesn't mean those other dimensions of our lives are unimportant. What it, what it does is, is it affects those other dimensions. What kind of father, worker, brother um, uh, am I going to be? And my fundamental identity as a child of God will end up affecting the way those other identities play out uh, as my life proceeds. Let's talk about some of the myths you identify, some of the things we'll hold on to as we're in this search for our own personal uh, true identity. Uh, what do you identify as the sort of things that, that usually take us off on a distracting tangent? Well, there's a number of them, isn't there? And, and you hear this. What we're talking about basically is culture. And, and Western culture, like every culture, is mainly subconscious. It's below the surface. So a lot of things in our lives we think about consciously, you know, where am I going to go on holidays? Uh, What am I doing today? But the basic questions of life, things like um, um, how how do I act as a parent? Um, How do I act as a worker? How how does problem solving work? And identity is right there among them. Um, um, How do I answer the question of who am I? So the things that are told to us today that are almost unquestionable are things like, you belong to yourself. Now, it sounds like an obvious thing that cannot be disputed. And obviously, to say that you don't belong to yourself, leaves yourself open to terrible abuse and depression. And sometimes there are terrible stories where people take uh, um, advantage of others. But the reality is we're social beings. We do belong to each other. We belong in families. We belong in relationships. And we belong to God. In terms of the Christian Uh, gospel, right at the heart of it is this very idea. Paul puts it beautifully in one of his letters. He says, you are not your own. You don't belong to yourself, which sounds really strange, doesn't it? But there is a context in which not belonging to yourself, belonging to someone else is a beautiful thing. It's in loving relationships. So if a young child gets lost in a shopping center and, uh, you know, they put over the, the, the loudspeakers, the PA system. Uh, we've got little uh, Wendy, she's wearing a pink dress. 
and red shoes. Uh, she's crying for a mother and a mother turns up and a mother says, she belongs to me. Now, that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Wendy, Wendy doesn't dispute that. And even in a marriage relationship, it's kind of a mutual belonging. The husband belongs to the wife and the wife belongs to the husband. So if we go back to that verse, Paul says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. So it comes back to the cross, really, because at the cross, we realize our value to God and just how much he loves us. And that end up, rather than being oppressive, belonging to someone else ends up being the most beautiful and freeing thing imaginable. So I think that there are some basic ideas in our culture that are bandied around. And one of them is that obviously you belong to yourself. I think that that's actually a fallacy. And the best thing is to belong to someone who loves you. And in God's case, he loves us eternally. Isn't that a great concept? Uh, belonging to who? Because, uh, you know, I think governments want you to belong to them as well. So we might even talk some more about that. Hey, we're taking calls. 1-800-316-316. Anne is in Labrador in Queensland. Hi, Anne. Welcome along. Hi. Welcome along. It's so great to listen to that because I just believe that identity is in Christ. And if you don't have Christ, um, you put identity into something else and it doesn't really work. We do need brothers and sisters, um, but the main identity is in how we, who we are and when we adopted into his family, that's our identity. And so even though we do need brothers and sisters around us, but we need to know that that's where the basic of our identity is. And if you try to do it otherwise, then you, you, get, you get discouraged and everything else. And those who don't know him, I hope that they one day will find that that's the real identity that they're looking for. And good comment. Let's get a response here from Brian. Uh, Brian, identity in Christ. What are your thoughts here for Anne? Yes, I think that's excellent, Anne. And I think uh, at the heart of the Christian gospel is this wonderful hope we hold out to the world uh, that you can be known and loved in Christ. And, and part of being in Christ, of course, is sharing his story. So uh, remember, when we get baptized, we kind of uh, die with Christ and rise with him. And uh, we look forward to the second coming of Christ, not just for his identity to be revealed, but for our own identities to be revealed. And in the meantime, that identity should play out in all sorts of ways, because if our defining moment was this act of loving sacrifice at the cross, that should be our signature move in life. We, we should be people who display behavior in keeping with that new identity. And if our new identity is all about self-sacrifice and serving others in love, that, that should be the way in which we live. Now, obviously, we don't live up to that all the time, but having that identity, remembering who we are in Christ, makes a huge difference. And it, it's the kind of thing that can move us on to conduct uh, that is pleasing to God. Okay, and thank you so much for your call, 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Adam is in Marysville in Victoria. Hi, Adam. Welcome along. Hello, Neil. Um, I've been been thinking about this, I mean, the identity crisis that we're facing and... um, Trying to find your inner self and um, all that comes from, um, well, the New Age movement and it originated in Buddhism and um, Hinduism. 
that's the first thing I'd like to say. Uh, let's um, stay with that, Adam. Uh, hold any other thoughts. Yes. Uh, Brian Rosner, the thought that this self-seeking within uh, actually comes from these Eastern religions. Thoughts here for Adam? Yeah, it's an interesting idea, Adam. I, I think um, there's certainly points of comparison between what we're calling expressive individualism, looking inward to find yourself, and uh, not looking upward, if you like, to uh, a greater being to God with those Eastern religions. So I think there is a point of comparison. I'm not sure if, if that's the origin of them in our countries, but uh, certainly uh, you, you can see some similarities. It's an interesting thought. Kevin is in Parks in New South Wales. Hi, Kevin. Welcome. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we this morning? Very well, Kevin. What are your thoughts? I'm really intrigued by this conversation. It takes me back to when I was 13 at school when I was being bombarded with, with negative thoughts on you're hopeless, you're stupid, you're nobody, um, you're gay, was one of the thoughts that ran through my mind. And years later, when I was 21, I became a missionary and I learned about the voices that we that can speak to us, media, family, God and Satan. And I flicked back to what that Satan speaking to me when I was 13. Um, do you think that's something that, you know, the reason why there's so much emphasis with the media now and the actual demonic voice that... Kevin, great insights there. Bombarded with all sorts of identities that are being thrust upon you, and especially when you're age 13. Hey, Brian, what are your thoughts here for Kevin? Yeah, it's a good uh, good to hear your experience, Kevin, and, and thanks for sharing that. Um, look, I think one way to think about our lives is as stories. And what connects me to a baby, to me in, in my 30s, my 40s, and, and when I'm an old man, it, it's, it's, it's the story that I'm a part of. And I think we, we have this in our language, don't we? We, we talk about uh, I'm turning over a new leaf or I'm starting a new chapter or uh, I like the expression someone lost the plot. And uh, as Christians, we have this story we can be a part of um, rather than having our own short story about which uh, you know, where, where the star and where the uh, the director and the illustrator and, and the marketing person, uh, really what we do is we key into a much bigger story, the story of God's redemption of the world. And each of us plays, rather than a starring part in that big... And I think that, that that's one way of thinking about our lives. That little, little thoughts that you've mentioned... In, in, because the Christian story is, is, is the great story we can live a part of. Um, I, I think in, in some senses it's the bleakest story because it tells us that all humans are the problem. It's not other people. It's me included. And uh, it's also the brightest story because what it does is it tells us about uh, resources we have in the present and a glorious future. So I think our lives are stories is one way of dealing with those difficult thoughts. Wonderful stuff. Kevin in Parks in New South Wales. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for your contribution. Our talkback line's open on 1-800-316-316. Just before we move on, interesting thing that comes out of uh, Kevin and uh, being a 13-year-old, uh, we are bombarded by so many stories 
And oftentimes you'll hear people saying that Western society is in its own identity crisis right now. Uh, the number of stories that are there and everyone's choice to be able to follow any of those different narratives, is this uh, part of where you think maybe even a, an identity crisis in culture comes from? If you're talking big things like, you know, Western society? Yeah, I think um, th there's some big stories on offer for us in our society. We, we talked about one already, the, the kind of social justice story, the uh, one of identity politics of, of victims and oppressors. Uh, the other big story, though, is the kind of secular humanist story as it's told. So this idea that all, all that exists is material things. And it, in, in that case, the, the real driver in our lives is to improve ourselves materially and to enjoy ourselves, to make our personal happiness the number one priority. But there's a terrible irony there, Neil, and most people realise that at one point or another in their lives, focusing on personal happiness doesn't actually bring happiness. Ha happiness is sort of a byproduct of other things in life, of good relationships, of serving others, of being useful in life, of being grateful. It's a bit like trying to get a good night's sleep. You don't get a good night's sleep by trying really hard. You get a good night's sleep by doing by doing other things. So I think, um, yeah, the, there's there's a number of stories on offer in our world, and um, um, I, I loved recently. I don't know if you saw it, but but the Navy has a new advertising uh, program up. It's on billboards. I saw one at a bus stop the other day. It said this: "Live a story worth telling." Isn't that beautiful? So basically, it's tying into this idea that. Look, you don't want to waste your life. You want to live a story that, that contributes to other people's lives. In the case of the Navy, it, it's one where you're protecting others and, and being brave and adventurous. Uh, Christians have the greatest story that's worth telling. It's the old, old story, and, and we can be a part of it. So I think that's, that's one, one way of thinking about it. What, what story do we really want to be living You've got the military using what ought to be used in a sense here by the church, a story worth telling, because when we come to the biblical narrative, we recognize that God is, you know, he's forming a people for himself, a little bit like when God led the children of Israel out of Egypt and uh, was forming a people there. There's something like that happening too uh, in a New Testament sense. And so this thought of individualism it's just one little part that can get you hooked on something that has an individual story. But there's a family story to be told here. How do we think of, uh, you know, the bigger picture and having a story which combines us together? Is family a way that you think uh, that God actually uses to, to say that we're a part of a bigger picture? Yes, I think family's a wonderful way of thinking about the Christian life, isn't it? Because it, it's a, it's got uh, several ways, uh, several dimensions to it. We we have God as our Father, who who loves us perfectly. Uh, a few times in the New Testament, we have this idea that Jesus is our big brother, and that all other believers are our brothers and sisters. And that's a beautiful thing because what it does is it puts us all on the same level. Our society is so stratified. Uh, in terms of socioeconomic terms, how well off you are, the sort of job you do. But in, in the Christian church, if, if, it, if it works well as it should, and uh, the churches I've been in have all been imperfect, but they, they basically move in this direction. Everyone is valued as an individual, and the common thing we have is our mutual love of Christ. And uh, we, we have this affection for each other as brothers and sisters, support for each other 
as brothers and sisters. So I think, yes, that, that's really central to Christian identity. And you can see very easily, can't you, the way in which it plays out in terms of uh, our behaviour. Taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Emily in Western Australia. Hi, Emily. Welcome. Oh, yeah. Hi there. Good morning. Uh, yeah, I'm just bringing in from WA. Um, yeah, and just listening with interest about the cultural identity, you know, within um, as being Christian first and foremost. Um, yeah, and what that actually means. Because I... Firstly, I'm an Aboriginal person, and but I've always firstly identified as being um, a Christian, and I think that has always overrode, you know, any any of our cultural practices. And I think when once we become Christians, our identity is in God, and you know we are as Christians called to go out. And to take, you know, the word out, take the gospel out into the world. And I think sometimes the church fails to do that. And and we see, and that's when I see people become aligned with movements, you know, woke, woke movements that we that we see happening in our communities all throughout the nation, is that um, people are trying to find an identity and a sense of belonging. And sometimes the church doesn't provide that. And I think we as Christians need to be out and and showing our fruit, you know, identity in Christ to the unsaved people because as Christians, that's what we're called to do. Emily, what a wonderful contribution you are making to a conversation like this. And I know lots of listeners uh, will just hear your heartbeat and uh, what wonderful, inspired uh, common sense you are sharing. But uh, a thought or two here from Brian for Emily. Oh, I agree with you, Neil. Thanks so much, Emily. That was uh, lovely to hear. And I, I think you're right. Um, our identity in Christ is, it, it overrides. It's more important than our ethnicity or our uh, cultural background. Um Having said that, there's no sense in which becoming a Christian means that it's not important that you're from an indigenous background. The, the Christian gospel doesn't obliterate cultural differences. We don't all have to become like each other in every respect. Um, but uh, those, the kind of cultural background, I love the way you put it, it, it's important to you, but it's not all important. There's something that's even more important. And that's something will end up having an effect on on the kind of person you are and how you express uh, your Indigenous background. So that's really helpful. Thanks so much. Emily, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's get down to uh, some practical, nitty-gritty, what is it to align with an identity which is just like Emily is saying, that is above all of the... Uh, the party, political, racial, even sexual differences, uh, to be able to see Christ as being preeminent, uh, almost uh, you know, his kingdom, his kingship above all of the other issues of our lives, even though we might be passionate about some things. When it gets down to the nitty-gritty here, what do we draw from the Bible, Brian, as so far as our personal identity and what that actually looks like? Because some people will see the Bible as a, a bunch of ancient texts. But yes, we've got Jesus the person. How do we marry all of that together to understand some really good things about how we frame our identity in him? 
Yeah, Neil, I think it's amazing that this set of ancient texts, as you put it, addresses these postmodern issues so helpfully and, and so directly. It's extraordinary, really. So there's a sense in which the Bible does deal with these questions of identity that all of us are struggling with, not just that we're made in the image of God, but even when it comes down to things like gender, sexuality, and so on. I think of a verse like Galatians 3.28, where it says that uh, in Christ Jesus, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, we're all one in Christ. As I said, that doesn't mean being a male or female is irrelevant, but there's something that's more fundamental. Uh, coming back to the Lord Jesus himself, I think it's extraordinary when you think about it. Remember at the uh, uh, trial scene in the Gospels, Pilate asks, what is a human being and what is truth? And uh, when it comes to Jesus, Jesus kind of answers those questions for us. He's, he's he doesn't just die as our substitute, he dies as our representative. He, he's the one who stands in our place. He's, he's like the prototype of the new humanity, if you like. I don't know if you've ever been to a car show, but you have a bunch of cars there, some for sale already, some for sale soon, and uh, one or two that are prototypes of a car in the future. And in the future, all sorts of cars will roll off the line like that prototype. And I think Jesus is like that for us. He, he's... Yeah, he, he's the image of the new man, the, uh, uh, the new person. And each of us live our lives uh, by the power of God's spirit, conforming our lives more and more, we hope, to that image. And eventually, just as he rose with a new resurrection body, we will rise with him. So I think Jesus is at, really at the heart of this question of personal identity. And I think it's extraordinary that, uh, as I said, when we go back to the Bible, uh, with these big questions of our day, we find that, hey, hey look at that. It, it, it actually addresses them really helpfully and uh, in ways that is, is beautiful and true. Beautiful and true. And take us even a little deeper here, Brian, because sometimes we can think that this uh, conformity to his image, uh, just understanding who he is and what God is doing, is just about a... Uh, a static being um, I'm just you know all of a sudden I can rest in who I am because this is God who says this is who I am but what about the purpose that comes out of that uh, because sometimes we think about identity and then we say beyond that there's the practical dimension of mission uh, any thoughts here as to when you're aligning with a story that the story actually has a part of it uh, the mission of God Yes, uh, it um, gives our lives purpose, no doubt, doesn't it? Uh, I love how the Apostle Paul puts it in Colossians. He says, you, you have this new identity in Christ. He says, when Christ appears, you will appear with him in glory. Our identities are hidden with him in God. And yet then it goes on to say, we should put on the new self. So in other words, the new identity we have in Christ is a gift. But it's not automatic. It's something we have to increasingly put on. He, he, he then uh, goes on to expand on that. And he says uh, we shouldn't live sexually immoral lives. We shouldn't live lives where we abuse other people. We should li live lives that are humble and kind and forgiving. And uh, most of all, he says we should put on love, which um, binds all these other things in unity. So I think it's a beautiful way of thinking about the Christian life. We have this new identity in Christ. And the whole of our lives is about uh, the, the practice of putting on Christ. 
And we put on Christ in simple ways, too. I think most things we do in church are kind of identity confirming. We sing about um, what God has done for us and about the new age which is coming. We watch people getting baptized, having their identities established in Christ. We partake in the Lord's Supper, which is really a way of saying that Christ is our life. We eat and drink. This is the most bizarre idea, but it's so profound, isn't it? We eat and drink the body and blood of Christ so that we might identify with him so closely until he comes again. So I think um, there's lots of things about uh, what we ordinarily do that, as it turns out, have such a powerful impact on our, our identity. And then more than that, on helping us to live in accordance with that that identity. So I think that in our day, you hear people say, be true to yourself. I think it's a great idea. Be true to your new self in Christ. You do you, you should do the new you. The new you is identified with Jesus. And even as you're sharing those things, I'm thinking, Brian, uh, those practices that we do in church, and sometimes it becomes a routine a habit, uh, some of those things, and depending on the church that you're a part of, uh, liturgical practices, and sometimes things seem like a, a little bit repetitious. But those repetitious things, Brian, are they actually an affirmation of our identity and who we are in Christ? Uh, something to be thought a little bit more deeply about? Uh, it even depends on, you know, people coming from all sorts of different denominational backgrounds, no doubt, listening to our conversation. The sorts of things that draw us to be like Christ that happen in church, worth exploring a little deeper? Oh, indeed. Now, I think uh, Christian ministers and leaders need to get on board with this and help people to realise that what we're doing in church is very much about confirming our identity as God's children and living accordingly. But, Neil, I actually think they have an effect whether we realise it or not. I think just going to church, you, you have confirmed for you uh, uh, things about yourself, things about God, things about what happened in the past and the future prospects, that destiny which defines us. And I think people, Christian people, act out that story because of their experience in church without necessarily connecting it. I think it's a beautiful thing, the, the way the practices of church confirm our identities and help us to live uh, lives that are true to our true selves. Yes, your new true identity. And if you're going through an identity crisis right now, good place to start might be attending your local church on Sunday and thinking a little deeply around the sorts of practices your church does that might actually affirm your identity. But above all of that, and I think listeners can hear your heartbeat here, Brian, it's get your identity in Christ. And uh, when we talk about those things from the Bible, uh, those things we discover, that we are valuable, that we're made in God's image, that he has a plan for us, that he's given to us gifts, and those things that make us important uh, for who we are, not trying to be someone else. Hey, we've run out of time, Brian, but always love talking to you and uh, love to have you back again sometime soon. Just to point people to your book, How to Find Yourself, Why Looking Inward is Not the Answer, uh, available at online booksellers. What's the best way for listeners to connect with you, Brian? Is it the Ridley College website? Yes, I guess so. Yeah, Ridley College offers, uh, obviously, degree-level courses, but we also have something called the Ridley Certificate, which is an online at-home study. It's quite inexpensive, and it's a good way to start uh, growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Okay, so there's an introductory starters, a Ridley certificate, and uh, Ridley College, uh, one of the premier 
training institutions in the nation around uh, theology and Bible and ministry, ridley.edu.au. That's Ridley College uh, with the, uh, the, the, the headquarters in Melbourne, ridley.edu.au, and you'll be able to connect with Brian Rosner. Brian, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us once again today on 2020. Thanks so much, Neil. Thanks, everyone, for listening. God bless. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.